the biggest uptake I've seen across the AEC is not from GIS professionals. It's actually from designers who can now connect directly from their familiar design platform into the Esri geospatial sources of all this information. And they're designing. They go, oh my God, I can see the content. Great. Off we go. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp and immediately usable resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. Welcome to GIS Directions. I'm Wayne Lee Archer. And I'm Mary Murphy. And today we're once again joined by our now podcast regular, Andy Lovell, from Esri's AEC team. Thanks for agreeing to come back and chat with us, Andy. Uh, Hey guys, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here. Now, we covered a lot in the last episode, so we're going to pick right up where we left off. So make sure you go back and listen to the first part of this episode because we don't want you to miss anything. But very briefly, we're talking all things AEC, architecture, engineering, environmental and construction for those in the know. And we're talking about GIS and BIM building information models, and specifically how we can use these, how they come together in the form of a digital twin, and what all those business challenges are that come with that. And we're also looking at some real-world examples as well. Now, today, we're tackling something that's a very hot topic at the moment, the need for BIM to be digital twin ready. And we're hearing that a lot in this space, Andy. So, Andy, I'd love for you to jump in and explain what this actually means. For me, when when I hear that phrasing, and again, much like when somebody says, you know, whether it's in an RFP, it's like, you need to deliver a digital twin. Well, for what purpose? I said, well, the answer is you need to be very clear on what is it you're trying to solve. You can do amazing things using geospatial technologies or design software, and you can do these great things if you know what you're trying to do. Being digital twin ready, my take on that is being aware that there is no one magical silver bullet. There is no one piece of software that will do everything for everybody. And being open that we want to have information, we want that to maintain its integrity, maintain the quality and the details that are within it, so that it can be used by whoever needs to use it next. It was always used to drive me nuts. Is like you'd ask for some information from from one party, they'd send it across, it'd be in a format that you'd have to then convert, and you'd, it'd you know it'd, it'd truncate the field names or it'd change the number values or whatever, and you kind of reinvent it and you'd spend a bunch of time and honestly you'd waste a whole lot of hours recreating content. You'd do your thing. They go, yep, I've done my job. And then the next group, you go, well, I've got to hand this data on to somebody else. So for me, being digital twin ready is being aware of you are receiving content and information from one group or multiple groups. You will do your thing, whether that's analytics or your value add or whatever service you are providing. And then the data shouldn't die with you. It should then be handed on to the next group. Now, that may be in, in this cycle so that it's in a form and a structure that can then relatively easily assist them in doing what they need to go, what decisions do they need, and then onto the operate side, and whether that's facilities management or asset management, whatever. And then closing that loop comes back to, well, at the end of the day, a facility or piece of infrastructure will complete its life cycle, its useful function that it needed. And then you bring that back around to the planning side again. And say, okay, we are decommissioning this bridge or this building or refurbishing or, I don't know, removing an old railway station, we're going to put in something else that goes in here. So having that flow of information and, and understanding that, the data shouldn't die with you. Yeah, It should move on to the next group. That flow of information, that's very key for me, having worked with some of that, yeah. those types of data models previously. Because that's where, for me, it's probably you know not exactly overly exciting, but it 
was one of those things where it was an inefficiency for me that just was a hair pulling moment where you would get the data in, you do all those things you were talking about, you work with it, and then you put it into another format potentially and flick it on to either back to that person or someone else. But then all that in between data then just sits there that you might have value added to it and never gets used again or accessed by someone else to even look at it and so on. So there's lots of this lost data in between just to get to those one or two points, but that we could leverage for other things. And it was just so massively inefficient. And yes, there's lots of little cool tools like how to GDB, et cetera, and ArcGIS Pro was one of the ones that I just absolutely loved down through the years uh, when that came along, because I'm like, it's so simple, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really simple solution. But then on those bigger scales to now see people realize that they can collaborate on this data is really, really exciting to me. What I would like to know as well, just because you've talked about the flow of the data there as well, is that context side of things. Because we've brought up digital twins a few times here, accidentally on purpose, potentially. I'd like to pick your brain a little bit more on the context to the projects, because when I talk to people in the space about this, they go, what do you mean? Why? What do I need context for? Why do I need to collaborate in that space? So I'd like to know if we're working with GIS and BIM and in the world of AEC, how does GIS in that world start to bring context to those projects? And what's the value of that? For me, the context, the value that it brings is that designs are not done in isolation, that if we're talking about building a bridge um, down in Melbourne, level crossing removals, big thing, ripping out lots of things, lots of safety improvements in there. Now, you could go along and look at that, you know, the grade separation work, you know, road and rail crossings and the decision to go, which way do I go? Road over, road under, whatever. Fine, you could do that. But by providing the geospatial context around that, you can then see, you go, well, what's the impact and influences to the, the surrounding community, the businesses, the people that live in this area? Well, hang on, if we go this way, we'll need to change the drainage on here. And that might cause flooding on here. And if we're only looking at just the one little patch for the doing the design and not looking at the entire context, mm. then you're not going to be able to make what I would consider to be a, a more appropriate decision that takes into account the surrounding area. So it's an easy way for us to provide an opportunity for them to model different scenarios as well. Absolutely. You can take into context and then make what will become ultimately a better decision. And it's not just at the end thing, it's also throughout the, the construction phase. If you have an understanding of the surrounding areas, you can even plan where to put your lay down areas or how the concrete trucks are going to come through and all of those pieces in there. I work traditionally at the moment in the utility space. So I'm always talking about pits, pipes and poles, you know, electric lines. And I, I see a lot of tools sort of come together to crunch this space. We talked, you know, just a little bit there. I'm hearing a lot of collaboration, you know, being one of the big requirements here. It seems, although we might be talking about building construction or, or very small scale in, in the sense of things, you know, not building things on national scales, not building things on state scales, not building things on necessarily even suburb or, or locality scales, we get right down to the building information side of things where we might be just talking about a location. And we all know that we've got a bunch of tools that really fit this space you know, just so well with ArcGIS indoors. If we're talking about site construction, that we've got site scan for, for sites mm -hmm. constru construction. What I'm sort of hearing here is it really is about that collaboration and sharing sort of space more than anything. So are we talking about maybe some, some very typical GIS workflows? We're talking about you know, ArcGIS Pro, getting the data mm -hmm. on in there, publishing maps, web GIS to, to light up your own organization and your own people. Tools like ArcGIS Urban and ArcGIS Hub yep. for you know collaboration with your public. 
Is this the sweet spot that we're, we're sort of seeing for AEC, those kind of tools? Is, is that where this is really heading? Yeah, it is, Wayne, it is. And, and again, I come back to, I've occasionally described working in this space as playing with Lego bricks. Mm-hmm. Once you know what the flow is, and you, you plug in the different piece that you need. Some projects would need a tool like ArcGIS or Urban for that space or a, oh, managing the underground utilities networks or it may need the community engagement side because we've got a connected environment and the collaboration, I completely agree, it is absolutely fundamental. That and having standards yes. that are documented, yeah. like that you are right. using your standards and that you have the cloud to cloud. You know, So connecting the Autodesk construction cloud from our Autodesk partners with the Esri side of the world, making that flow of information. Probably the biggest uptake I've seen across the AEC is not from GIS professionals. It's actually from designers who can now connect directly from their familiar design platform into the Esri geospatial sources of all this information. And they're designing. They go, oh my God, I can put imagery. I can grab all this other data that's there. I can see it. I can understand. I can not have to go back and forth and waste all this time. I can see the content. Great. Off we go. And we can get on with the job. The collaboration side is absolutely huge. And the tools that you would use will vary depending on the individual project you're on. The country, the regulations that you're working in, that's something I've become much more well aware of. So chatting with the folks out of Esri Spain the other day and it's like, well, we use this, and we have these requirements. So being across the different tools and using them as you need to. And again, coming down to what you want to do, right? So it's that collaborative environment seems to be the place to start, right? If you if you want to start leveraging the geospatial in your AEC workflows, that collaborative environment. So something like ArcGIS Online, ArcGIS Enterprise, start building with those. And then thinking about the specific workflows that you're after. So if you're doing field mobility kind of workflows, maybe asset management and uh, inspection, you could do something like get a survey one, two, three form going, something in field maps, etc. Leveraging ArcGIS Pro then for your heavy hitting analytics, because I'm always going to come back to Pro. But then there are other aspects out there that might be a little bit more niche. And I know there's one that you're interested in, particularly Wayne, around this space, and that's SmarterWorks. Absolutely. So this is, you know, the actual works management and and works planning sort of side of things, not just building stuff, but maintaining it, you know, upgrading it and moving forwards. You know, I, th- I think you know, that probably fits well into this space. And one of the products that, that we've got supports that kind of that integration between different organizations for doing public works. And if I'm going to go tearing up a length of road for one particular reason. And then the electricity company is going to come along in six months and tear up that same bit of road. And Mm. then the water company is going to come and tear up that same bit of road. Perhaps we could do this smarter. Perhaps we could coordinate smarter. If we've got all of our GIS projects and our works projects in GIS, then surely we can share this. And one of those products that we're, we're sort of really seeing come into the play here is SmarterWorks, where you can actually integrate those works projects between different organizations. So coming back to that whole collaboration, collaboration space. Have you had much um, experience in that sort of works management space, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's all about building something that is needed for the community that it's within and use the different tools that you need to throughout the, the life cycle, both from the planning phase all the way through to the operations. And then as it cycles back around again, when you change that infrastructure over or upgrade it or do whatever you need to for the next thing that it needs. Amazing. We're going to need to put uh, links in the show notes to, uh, you know, SmarterWorks, to ArcGIS Urban, to ArcGIS Indoors, to BIM Tools, even you know ArcGIS Hub. There's probably a bunch I've even missed. And there's a really good blog that I came across that's an excellent case study in one aspect of how we can leverage location to improve our workflows 
in this space, and that was using 3D. And 3D GIS supports decision making for smart urban planning and design. I think it was the Gensler crew did that. And one of their key concerns was actually then that end point. I say end point, but the end point of many kind of sections of the workflow or the project lifecycle, which is communication. So how do we communicate with stakeholders and so on? And leveraging a geospatial data and technology and integrating that with those BIM plans and designs is really, really helpful in communicating context to the people you want to hit up for those particular projects. Are there any other learning resources or projects that you think people should jump into, Andy, just to get started or to get a taster? A lot of content that's available. There's a number of pieces that are specifically about GIS and BIM. So it's not just ArcGIS, GBIM, but it's understanding how to get design data into your geospatial context. There's a number of workflows and uh, learn paths. It sounds like, you know, GIS is the panacea for the AEC sector. Everything you need is, is serviced by GIS. Andy, come on, what are your top three tech items for this industry before you leave us? Number one, be very clear about what is the challenge you're trying to solve. <laughs> tech tip number two, coordinate systems. It's oh. <laughs> no, oh my boring, gosh. It's dry. But the amount of time that I have watched in my own career and now that I work with, I, I work, I very far, I get to work with hundreds of consulting firms all over the world. Coordinate systems is an absolute killer. If you haven't worked through it, it, it that's, that's number two, tech tip. It would be very clear about your coordinate system. And that also includes standards. I know this is not the exciting stuff people wanted. <laughs> yeah, great. The third tip that I've got on there is be open to using different tools. Yeah. You may have your favorite digital hammer and you pull it out and it's the one thing you've got and you use it all the time and, and you're comfortable with that tool. Being open to using other things. For me, that's a big thing. It's just like, yes, that hammer you've got may do a great job, but there's likely to be things that are actually better at doing it and knowing that there's a time to change over. You don't have to solve everything yourself. Yes. They reach out to help, reach out to Ezra, reach out to all of us. Happy to give people advice. Absolutely. I think those are probably some of the most concise and, and succinct tips that we've heard this series. So Andy, thank you so much for your insights into this space. It has absolutely been a pleasure talking to you today. Absolutely fantastic, guys. Thanks for your time. Okay, so again, thank you so much for joining us, Andy. I think we've covered pretty much everything AEC that we actually can in two short episodes. But to help everyone get started with all the tips and tricks that we have mentioned, we'll add all the resources we've spoken about to our website. So that website is gisdirectionspodcast.com.au. And make sure you connect with us all on LinkedIn as well. And with that, until next time... Stay spatial, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Andy. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia.